Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I'm really excited to have a guest on that I have today. So we're going to have a really good, solid conversation about the, the current status of what's going on with cannabis. It seems as if it's been ignored by this uh, current administration and even our legislature, though, you know, every once in a blue moon, you'll see something pop up on the news that says, well, you know, uh, the House has been working on this bill or the Senate is kind of looking at this bill. But no one is really talking to us, the masses, about what's going on. And so maybe today, I guess, will help us, you know, understand what's happening out there in the hinterland when it comes to cannabis legislation and also just cannabis initiatives. So I'm really excited to have this guest on today because she has a philosophy that is is very kindred to mine and something I've been talking about for quite a long time and finally found somebody who I believe understands uh, the nature of what I'm talking about. Now, what I'm talking about is let's talk about homeostasis for a second. You know, homeostasis is a Greek word and uh, it's the same word for uh, the Greek word for same and steady. It refers to any process that living things use to actively maintain fairly stable conditions necessary for survival. My guest today suffered from chronic health issues ranging from Lyme disease to severe digestive issues. After experiencing the benefits of cannabinoids, cannabinoids and adaptogens separately, she found that their combined efforts or effects not only were synergistic, but excellent for whole body support. She earned her MBA in design strategy and went on to become the founder and CEO of Prasmatic Plants. Sarah Polanski, welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Hey, Montel. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Love Absolutely. what you guys are doing. No, it's so good to have you here. And let's talk a little bit for a second about what brought you into the world of cannabis. Let's go back a little bit. Where are you from? Yeah. So uh, I'm from the East Coast. I grew up actually in St. Louis and Detroit and then Philly. I spent my formative years. Uh, so shout out to all my Philadelphians out there. Uh, and then I made the trek to beautiful California and now I call San Francisco home. So California, uh, you know, has a has a huge cannabis culture here. Um, so coming into the state, you know, I quickly got got kind of into the mainstream of just cannabis being part of everyday life. Did you travel to California because of cannabis or that was just part of, you know, your evolution? It was just part of the evolution. Yeah. I came out here for work. Um, and then after some time changed careers and then it was really through my, my various ailments, um, that I came to start using cannabis medicinally and really found a lot of healing through that. Let's back up a little bit and talk about where did, you, where did you go to school? Yeah, I went to Drexel University in Philadelphia. Um, and then uh, I was a photographer for quite some time, running my own business doing that. Um, after the 2007 2009 financial crisis, I kind of saw the writing on the wall with what I was doing, as well as with where technology was going within that field, I decided to shift gears. And then I went back and I got an MBA from uh, California College of the Arts here in San Francisco. And the focus of my program was on sustainability and social impact and how to, how to design business in today's landscape to do more good. And so from there, I went on working at an agency where I worked with a lot of uh, startups as well as big tech companies on various um, projects, helping kind of shift the needle and helping them be more innovative. 
And through that work, I ended up looking at the cannabis industry uh, quite intensely. I did a lot of research on the industry, spent some time uh, traveling across the U.S., conducting focus groups and really understanding what what was happening with the early market, um, especially in states like Colorado. You're talking um, 2007, 2008 or later? This is later. Yeah, this is later. Um, this is much later. Um, and, you know, after it was kind of simultaneous during that time of spending all this time researching what was out there, what was happening, um, discovering all these benefits of cannabinoids, research was coming out. Um, I also was using things myself as kind of a guinea pig to try to understand the benefit to um, other people. Because you started at that point in time having health issues of your own? Was that part yeah, of it? Yeah, I was already going through a lot of health issues. Um, <laughs> and so to give you the, the recap of that story, um, I always had, you know, some sort of digestive issues, severe allergies, things like that. Um, just not feeling 100% chronic fatigue. And then I was doing... Um, some social impact work in East Africa, actually, with young girls researching with them over there. I contracted a, a waterborne parasite. And after um, several rounds of antibiotics, I pretty much just destroyed my gut and thereby my immune system. And I got a lot of severe food intolerances. And it was really hard to come back from that while maintaining a job that was really stressful, I think. You know, everyone's aware of it, but today's today's jobs, you know, really require you to put it to give your all in there and work life balance is pretty challenging. So it was a culmination of those things happening um, where I was already leaning into alternative medicine to try to heal myself. And um, while leaning into internal uh, alternative medicine, I was also discovering all the benefits from cannabis. You also started looking at adaptogens, yeah. which is something that's that's very, I, I said in the open, you know, I've been focused on adaptogens now for almost 13 years, um, recognizing the value of them. I've wondered, you know, my entire cannabis career, why no one's ever decided to combine the two together. Uh, but now we're starting to see that, you know, lots of pockets around the world are starting to understand the importance of adaptogens. What what adaptogens are you would you did you originally start focusing on? Yeah, so our our two signature formulas that we have, Good Day and Good Night, they have different adaptogens in each. Um, so our daytime formula it has uh, shizandra, white ginseng, rhodiola, bacopa, and holy basil. Um, and then our nighttime formula has reishi and ashwagandha as the adaptogens in there with a, a variety of other herbs um, like oat straw, which is a great nervine, um, with valerian and California poppy, which are both sedative. And then with skull cap, which really helps with uh, muscle tension and relief. So just like you're saying, you know, I, I felt like, well, here you have adaptogens working on certain systems within your body. Then you have cannabis and cannabinoids working on other systems in your body. Why, why not make this an all-in-one formula where it's just, you know, it's, it's uh, combining all these superpowers of these plants into one 
formula to try to give people the most healing that they can get from one uh, product. Did you start finding relief for yourself? Uh, incredibly. I think, um, you know, part of what's happened um, is that, you know, with today's world being so stressful and productivity at all time high, it's like our, our bodies kind of get stuck in this fight or flight stress response. And when you're in that stress response, your body can't heal, your immune system stops functioning. And so the benefits of adaptogens is that they help curb your stress response and make you more resilient, while uh, the cannabinoids are also helping on uh, your endocannabinoid system to help decrease inflammation when you're getting that stress response, working with your limbic system to also help um, reduce that stress response when it's happening. So ultimately, you know, once your body can be in that state of healing and not in a state of stress, it can start to go to work and heal itself naturally. So, you know, I like to really think of these as plant allies is what I like to call them. Um, and, and they're helping you get out of your own way to help you heal. And it's almost like the cart before the horse. So did you start the process of healing yourself first before you decided that maybe I ought to turn this into a business so that I can help heal others? Definitely. Yeah. I, I started, um, researching all these things just to try to heal myself. And, um, within that, within taking things and finding so much healing, I was like, this is, this is something that other people need to have. Um, and I saw an opportunity for that. And I think, you know, Montel, at the same time, I just saw so many people around me uh, coming up with, with what is termed a chronic illness, which is kind of something that um, allopathic medicine doesn't really know how to treat very well. It's something that comes and goes for people and just leaves them in a state of ill health. And it's, it's generally complex. Um, and a lot of the root of that is in being overstressed. And so I kind of saw, you know, a sign of the times of the fact that this was going to be an ongoing issue for people at large. And, you know, I wanted to be part of a movement of helping people heal. I wanted to be part of a movement of bringing cannabis out of the shadows and really legitimizing it as a plant-based medicine. Um, and I just, I, I got to say, like, I really love the fact that there has been such accolade for CBD specifically and its ability to heal that has really kind of opened the door for other types of plant-based medicine for people that would never have considered it in the past. Yeah. You know, aren't you? I mean, like my, I'm like myself, I'm a little, not annoyed. I would say just, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a little taken aback by the fact that, you know, we've just gone with the study of one cannabinoid when we know that there's probably close to 250 million, 250 million in the plant all of which have some sort of purpose in stimulating our endocannabinoid system or organizing it. And so, you know, I think we, we got glommed on to one and turned that into this, you know, cottage industry that, so what brought you or what, how did you come to start your, what is it, your company itself? Yeah. Well, um, so like I was saying, I kind of saw I saw this issue happening around a lot of other people and I kept thinking about this type of formulation and the fact that I wasn't seeing anything else out there. No one else was doing it and wondering, could I do this? Um, 
I felt really passionate about it. So I, I put everything I had into it, left what I was doing uh, professionally to really explore this and just built everything from the ground up myself, figured out how to create a sustainable supply chain, how to find my organic and sustainable farmers to work with. Um, well, when you started this, you know, you, you, I know you, you looked around around and didn't see anybody who looked like you. I mean, there yeah. were not a lot of women, there still are not a lot of women in this industry. I think women only represent about seven and a half, eight percent of yeah. the CEOs in the entire industry. What were the challenges for you? Number one, being taken seriously. Number two, getting this off the ground as a female entrepreneur in this industry. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said being taken seriously. I, I mean, it was pretty hard to find vendors that wanted to work with me, um, especially because I, you know, I didn't have um, a track record, or you know, I didn't have um, a big name behind me, and so um, it, it was really hard to get people's attention. And even with working with several vendors. Um, you know, they, they weren't necessarily great relationships. And I ended up having to find new vendors after some time because of exactly what you're saying. Um, definitely having gone to a lot of conferences and seen kind of all the brands that were out there, you're right. It felt like a lot of the brands were um, very male focused. And even more than that, it felt like it was a little bit more of like a recreational kind of bro stoner culture vibe. Um, and it was like, that was it, you know, it's fine for that to be there, but it didn't seem like there was anyone focused on um, women or even women's health more specifically. And so it, it was the goal of the company was always to be, how can we be focused on women's health? And, you know, the interesting thing, Montel, as you're talking about CBD is, you know, starting this company, it was not, the intention was never to be just a CBD company. The intention was never to be just a cannabis company. It was really about how do I help um, modernize plants for for people in uh, the busy, productive worlds of work life today, and specifically like, making it feel more approachable to women in particular. That was a big part of it. And that's what the, then, I guess, helped you launch Prasmatic Plants. When did you start the company? Yeah, so the company started um, back in 2017, um, and then the idea of it started kind of around then. Um, I left. I'm trying to work back, Montel, so forgive me if no. uh, not working properly this morning here. But working back, um, I, I, I launched in 2019, so I was in formulation for about a year really trying to figure out how to make these plants work together. And, you know, there's a lot of science behind that because they're on a molecular level. They don't really want to exist in one formula. And um, so I worked on that uh, and I was working with master herbalists as well as, uh, you know, a lot of chemists to try to figure that out. Um, and so we've been live for two years now um, this past June. That's great. And what's been the reaction from the from the public and the masses? Uh, to, I'm sure you have a, a pretty incredible following. Oh, thanks, Montel. Yeah. You know, I think the reaction has been um, so heartwarming. I mean, I know this probably comes up for you and your advocacy work, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's 
it's what you put your time into. You really hope to make a difference, right? And when I get a positive review from somebody saying that the products are really helping them in their life or, um, you know, people reaching out to us on Instagram, saying things or supporting us and supporting what we're all about. It just, you know, it means it really just truly means the world to me because, um, you know, ultimately, I think people that feel good are people that um, are happy and happiness. Let's face it, makes the world go round. It makes the world a better place. Well, we're living in a pretty tough, tense time right now yeah. as a nation, uh, and also dealing with this ridiculous pandemic and getting ready to deal with another pandemic, a pandemic of mental health issues yeah. that are going to come out of this first pandemic. Um, we know that. <clears throat> Some of the the uh, the fact that we don't have the proper balance in our nutrition and in what we actually take in, you know, uh, we've seen that. You know, uh, I think science is starting to point to deficiencies in that endocannabinoid system as mm-hmm. being responsible for some of what we call, like you said, chronic illness. Uh, but do you see more and more people embracing the idea of plant based, you know, solutions? Oh, I, yeah, I think so. 100%. Um, you know, building this brand is really about, uh, building a community and the community is not just with, you know, my people that buy prismatic plants, but it's also with other brands that are in the space of plant-based wellness. And so to me, seeing the explosion of brands that are coming out there in and around um, trying to get back to plant-based in whatever form that is, I think, I think it's just the wave of the future. And, and, um, it makes me, it makes me really hopeful that what that will start to mean is it'll mean that we'll start to pay attention to our own health specifically as an individual um, versus just relying on somebody else to tell us, you know, what's wrong with us. We'll start to tune into our own bodies as well as just tuning into people around us, tuning into the planet. I think it just helps to make us more connected. Um, once we connect to ourselves and our own health, you know, have you, uh, now you just recently had a baby, right? Or you have I did. Yeah. I have a one and a half year old. One and a half year old. How difficult has that been as a you know working mom? You know, juggling, you know, formulating, running a company, yeah. out there marketing, <laughs> and then trying to be a mom at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I had you know what what is being called the COVID baby, right? So my son was born um, literally two days before the city here shut down for quarantine. So. You know, all my plans of what early motherhood was going to be like uh, went out the window and it was really tough. Um, It still is really tough. Uh, We had to take on, um, you know, owning uh, childcare ourselves um, this whole time and how to how to do that with two working parents. is really tough. Luckily, we have some family close by we rely on. But. Um, I definitely, Montel, I had to shift my idea of what I could do every day. I can't sit down and just work 
I'm working, working, work. I have to pull myself up and I have to remember like, you know, I'm a mom first and, you know, a, an entrepreneur second. Um, and so with that, you know, it's, it's really about me living what I preach, which is taking that work-life balance. So, um, you know, there's ups and downs, but uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been really challenging. And um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but definitely wish that that I would have had a little bit more help this past year. Well, does your does your partner or uh, is there are they involved in your business also, or, or is this just no, no, they're not they're not involved in the business, so right. they're just uh, moral support. Got it. So, I mean, for other women out there that were thinking about maybe using or looking at the cannabis industry as an industry that they could step into. I mean, is it is it overly too challenging for a mother or is it just like any other business in a sense? Yeah, I think um, had I known where the industry was still going to be at back when I started, you know, I, I think about this question often, like, would I still have gotten into it? And, you know, I'm not sure. I, th- I think that people look at this industry, that it's a cash cow and you know, everyone's jumping in it to make a buck. And that's never why I got into it. But the the amount of red tape in running a business, even a business that uses hemp um, and doesn't use a high THC strain of cannabis is still overwhelmingly challenging and quite frustrating um, that, you know, the state of business has not caught up yet to uh, what it should be. So, are you doing are you doing any lobbying? Are you working to help change some of the regulations? I mean, what 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 do you think is going to happen with this industry? Because right now, what I said when they opened is that, you know, remember we had a, a new administration that claimed during its campaign that, you know, in the first hundred days they were going to do something significant on cannabis, and they've not done anything. You had yeah. uh, your former attorney general. Uh, the state of California, who during her last couple of years as attorney general, arrested more people than anybody else in the country, I believe, for cannabis and especially minor cannabis infractions and has not done what she promised she would do during her campaign. And so we still haven't seen some of the changes that I think a lot of people in this industry were anticipating. They haven't happened yet. How long do you think it's going to be before we see more change? What do you think, let's say, the next year looks like in cannabis? Yeah, you know, Montel, I think our political system here has been in such a disarray, um, right. That it does seem like if, if that had not happened, I think that we would have been federally legal by now, because I do feel like it's now become a bipartisan issue. Um, but it seems to me like the state of affairs are that there's so many problems that our government is trying to tackle that, legalization has fallen far down on the list. Um, well, let's go, let's skip legalization. Let's go back to just the farm bill. We had a yeah. farm bill that allowed for right. the products that you're trying to sell uh, in the United States that seems to, you know, again, was passed because of Republican support. Right. Remember, Mitch McConnell's state was the biggest state yeah. pushing yeah. for legalization of hemp. So now we have legalized hemp, but then it's like they just threw the hands up and said, "Okay, we gave you that." And shut up. Yeah, I mean it's the FDA, right? Like it's not, it's now the issue is the FDA hasn't, um, and you know we do follow that pretty closely. Is the FDA hasn't come out with saying how they want to control 
um, it as a substance. And then, um, you know, you still have the DEA uh, viewing it as uh, potentially, you know, a gray zone for them. So um, I think the first step for at least hemp, despite even legalized federal legalization of cannabis as a whole, would be the FDA coming out, right? Like they need to come out and they need to say, this is how we're going to handle the substance and stop having to be on a state state. Do you expect them to do that in two separate bowls? Because one, the FDA still has not definitively outlined the use of CBD, non-THC laden CBD. Yep. Is a good for food product, even though for the last 30 years, you could get CBD in a sense through hemp-based porridges, hemp-based mm-hmm. proteins. You could get that uh, for, the, it was always legal. I mean, here in the United States, we were importing. As a matter of fact, we had, you know, shortage. I think uh, before the hemp bill passed, we were importing something like $600 million worth of hemp products from around the world mm-hmm. um, that just seemed to be under the radar. And do you think the FDA is going to step in and do anything or say anything about hemp? And if they do, how will it impact your business? Yeah, I know they're working on it. Um, uh, you know, we're, we were involved in the American Herbal Product Association. So um, they were constantly having advocacy groups go in and, and talk to them about what kind of um, language uh, to be putting in that regulation and what should be included within that. Um, you know, the timeline on that, I would have liked it to already happen. When do I think it'll happen? It's hard to say, um, but I, I would imagine probably at least a year, um, if not longer, just given how long things have already taken. Once they do that, it would make, um, it would just open up a lot of different things for my own business. Um, you know, you have a CBD brand yourself. And so uh, the issues of being a CBD brand and we don't actually see ourselves as primarily a CBD brand, which is part of the challenge for us is we see that as one ingredient within our product. That's, and- and that's the same way, you know, I've been kind of uh, trying to convince people to move more and more in that direction. Uh, though I started off with my product and label CBD, but, you know, I was one of the first to literally try to make sure we had CBD with a particular proprietary terpene formulation in there. Yeah. And working on some things internationally when it comes to adaptogens and also terpenes and also flavonoids. Um, trying my best to to see if we can kind of nudge the industry to understand that the more of us that do more research this way, the more of us that do more formulations this way, it'll push the FDA to have to make some decisions. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think so. You know, there, we have been approached by some private research groups that have started to um, do user research in the space to try to understand the effects of just CBD by itself. And I think when there is more um, companies that are out there that are helping to fund research on the effects of CBD and then bringing that to the FDA, that'll also probably help expedite things and move the needle. Cause ultimately what the FDA is looking for is an understanding of how safe it is. And they don't feel like they have enough data uh, on that. that. Part of that's because we have a lot of perpetrators in this industry who are lying and putting out inferior products. I mean, how do you think, 
you know, you, you're attending a lot of conferences and things. How do we get this industry to stop being so B2B afraid and understand that this industry will not grow with any individual company? It's going to take us all to get together to try to figure out how to make this grow. When do you think the industry is going to try and finally start to embrace that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do think there are organizations trying to do exactly what you're talking about. But to your point, it does feel highly competitive where it doesn't feel like, you know, companies really want to work together. Um, to- yeah, especially in, in just policing our own industry. I mean, you go to a gas station and pull a product off a shelf that says it's got CBD and then you realize it's got, you know, 0.000001% CBD and nothing else in it except for alcohol yeah. and a bunch of crap. That's what's damaging this oh. industry. 100%. I mean, I'm sure you've had these stories yourself, but you know, when, when people um, come to you and they say, Oh, I've tried, I've tried CBD. It doesn't work for me. Or, you know, I had a really bad experience with it. And um, yeah, it definitely damages the industry when there's, you know, negative products out there that people are having experiences with. And then that's coloring their view of cannabis as a whole or CBD um, it's extremely negative. So I, I'm right there with you where I feel like any brand in this space, they need to be doing their own due diligence to make sure that they're showing up properly to represent the industry uh, that we're in and move it forward. I feel like it's any brand's responsibility in this space to to be a part of that, to be a part of doing it right to move forward and not just trying to make a buck. But I feel like more of us should be not only doing our part to individually move it forward, but you know, we should be reaching out across borders yeah. and I should be reaching out to your company and saying, look, I got this product and <clears throat> you have this product. Maybe we can pull a conference together and start educating the masses. That's another point I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you have a really, very, very, very interesting, um, you know, uh, uh, formulation and, you know, one that needs to be in a position to start educating the masses. I mean, I look at the pharmaceutical industry. You know, they put out 9 million commercials to excite the public to go to the doctor's office to say, have you heard of XYZ? Then the doctor gets a contract with XYZ to dole it out in their office. And that's how drugs make yeah. it to the mainstream. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and now the industry has been around now for long enough that we should have been doing more educating of the consumer. We've been spending most so much time trying to educate each other from a B2B standpoint of how to be successful and make cash rather than even grow the consumer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, you doing? what are you doing from an educational standpoint to get the word out about your proprietary formulations? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of what we do is um, we try to work with various like educational partners um, in doing that and finding a space to talk about uh, the plants that are out there. Obviously, we have our own educational part of our website, our blog. Um, where we shout out, give a shout out to it right now, so people are tuning sure, in. Sure, yeah, prismaticplants.com, Strange Mind blog. You can go there and check out the education section, um, and we have a lot of great articles in there about the science behind everything that we're putting into our formulas. Um, and you know, I think it, it's about like finding the right outlets. Um, that want to talk about this and trying to really frame it like you're saying about, um, you know, being more than just this one uh, cannabinoid, right? And really talking about where is this going? 
So um, I think a big part of where I've seen my brand and my brand's role is exactly what you're talking about, where it's not just showing up as just a CBD brand, but it's really showing up as a plant-based medicine brand that includes that product. So it starts to open the door to other people, um, either, you know, from both ways, people maybe that like CBD, but haven't tried anything else. People that have tried other things, but haven't tried uh, cannabis and any of their products and trying to at least make the uh, cannabis and plant-based medicine community come together as a whole and be one big community. I know even in working with the herbalists within my network, they've been way now turned on to um, cannabis and the healing effects of cannabis and want to get involved in that. And it's so fascinating to me that the war on drugs had such an effect on how we view the cannabis plant, even though there was such a long history of it, um, that even, you know, modern herbalists who were already on the fringe of medicine weren't really looking to that plant, weren't really thinking about that plant as something that they could, uh, you know, rely on. I mean, I mean even, you can look at, at most medical schools didn't still to today don't teach about the endocannabinoid system. A system right. is a viable part of our physicality and our physical makeup. And, and what we now know uh, mm-hmm. in, in some research that's now been peer reviewed, studied and confirmed, you know, that deficiencies in that endocannabinoid system literally have, you know, uh, hugely impactful deleterious effects on the individual. And so yeah. now you've got colleges that are now just now starting to use the term endocannabinoid system, starting to teach it. So the medical community is starting to understand it, but they don't have access to decent enough information, I don't believe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's a lot of that work um, that Dr. Raphael Mishulam did really in understanding the endocannabinoid system um, and understanding the effects of that, that kind of really sparked a lot of everything that's happening today. And, you know, he's continuing doing a lot of work. I don't know if you've heard about his recent work in terms of um, uh, the acids. So like the raw form of the cannabinoids and, um, I just want to shout that out because that is why looking at his work is why we, we actually put CBDA in our uh, good day formula for that reason. And he's really now touting the fact that some of these acids out there like CBDA could potentially be even more potent than CBD. So we're even understanding that even THCA may have a better anti-inflammatory effect than any of the cannabinoids and THCA of course does not get you, you know, it doesn't have a euphoric effect if it's heated. And, you know, if that was allowed to be put in the formulation, but that also bodes to the idea of education. You got to educate the FDA to make them understand there's a difference between THC, THCA, THCV. These are all different. Yeah. 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 I think the education piece has been such a challenge. Um, and, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's what do you want to talk to people about? Do you want to talk to people about here's the benefit that they're going to get from it? Or do you need to explain every single tiny thing that's in it in order for somebody um, to potentially take a chance on trying it? You know, it's it's really the um, the challenge of this industry is making people feel like it's safe, 
but also not getting so in the weeds of everything that, you know, the science is overwhelming somebody and they're like, I don't even know where to start with this kind of thing. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's like any other thing, you know, the science behind aspirin. I mean, you know, the science behind Tylenol, you know, the science behind things that are being used every single day. When I, when I say know the science, you understand that it's been tested, it's been peer-reviewed study, it's been studied, mm-hmm. and you understand that it doesn't have deleterious effect. Um, you know, all you have to do, I mean, well, I shouldn't say all you have to do, but I mean, you know, the more and more we educate people to let them know and make sure they understand that no one in the world has ever died from a, a cannabis overdose, no one in the entire world has died in 5,000 years. You know what I mean? Like all you got to do is start saying the things and making the big, bold statements and then backing it up with whatever scientific research that's out there. If a person wants to dig a level deeper, but you know, you walk around, I mean, I, 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 I'm shocked that sometimes I sat in a conversation one day, at a dinner table with a person who's sitting across from me, sucking down and swilling down one glass of wine after another, after yeah. another, you know, all this THC, all this, all this marijuana stuff, cannabis stuff, hemp stuff. People, I think it's really just, just ripping people off. And I'm like, and you're sitting there sucking down at <laughs> all. And I probably would like venture to know that you don't know that there's probably only, I don't know, uh, there, there is five times less peer reviewed, scientific data research done on alcohol than has been done on cannabis to date. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that's the one thing that just blows my mind. People, you know, we haven't studied it enough. It's like, that's, that's out of, you know, Hillary Clinton's mouth. Will you shut up? Half the money spent for, in the last 50 years in the United States, we're the ones who funded Raphael Mishulam. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who paid for his research in Israel. Yeah. We're the ones who gave him one of the biggest drug awards this country has to get out. Not mm-hmm. even one of their biggest awards 10 years ago because of his research and what he discovered. We're the reason why, he's the reason why we filed as a government for a patent on cannabinoids 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's things like that that I just think I get so angered by the fact that most people don't know. I was, in a, I, I was also testifying in a court uh, about a month and a half ago on the East Coast, I was testifying on behalf of a cannabis company that had applied for a license that, you know, was granted, then was taken away because they thought that, you know, there was something wrong with their application when they really wasn't anything wrong with it. They just didn't believe the number of people that were on it that were legitimately part of their board. And so I had to go testify and say, yes, I am a board member. I truly am. I'm Mato Williams. I'm the guy that signed a piece of paper. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I mean, not the doctor, the judge. And one of the questions that came to me was, you know, Mr. Williams, can you explain why you're even, you know, interested in, you know, pr- promoting cannabis and and wanted to be involved in this business? And I said, I want to do the same thing that the federal government's done for the last 20 years. And mm-hmm. the, the, the judge looked at me. I said, yeah, I want to I want to be at a point in time when I can put in and apply for and grant and get a patent granted to me like the federal government. The judge looked at me and I said, judge, it's judge patent number six, six. 03507. He typed it in on his desk and, and then looked at me like, I didn't know that. This is a judge overseeing yeah. a case about cannabis and doesn't even know that the government owns a patent. I, excuse me? These are the basic things that yeah. I think we as an industry can do to educate the masses to make them understand that, you know, 
maybe this is not as bad as we think it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. And, you know, I, I do hear your point in that um, awareness also just around where the industry is going and what's happening um, and the safety of it is also an important aspect of brand building and, and really brand collaboration today. And I, I'm with you on that. Well, here, I'm going to give you a couple of seconds, uh, not a couple of seconds, but give you a couple of minutes. Why don't you capture the attention of my viewers and let them know why they need to look for products like yours, especially in the CBD space. You know, give them that, uh, that elevator pitch for a second about, you know, why it's important to really be a little bit more discerning as a buyer and a consumer in this marketplace. Sure. Thanks, Montel. Yeah. So I think what's important is um, when you're out there, when you're shopping, you want to find a brand that um, not only has COAs, but you feel like has is doing the full due diligence that they should do. And that means building the company in every capacity to uh, be a, a momentum of change. And, you know, at Prismetic Plants, we try to do that in a variety of ways from how we built our uh, supply chain to how we formulated our products to be extremely safe and effective um, to how we give back. And, and how we like to build community and that education piece. So um, I think beyond that, looking at the type of product that you're interested in and what you need it for. And um, as we talked about throughout today's show, you know, our products were really focused on combining a variety of other plants um, with the cannabis hemp plant into one formula using some other cannabinoids in there beyond just CBD, but CBDA and CBN specifically um, to really try to give you whole body healing. And at the end of the day, it's everyone's health is different and you want to try things that makes that, you know, are safe, but um, you know, it's, it's about finding the products that work best for you. Super. And if people want to find out more information about you, where do they go? One more time. Give us our website. Yeah. They can go to prismatic plants dot com p-r-i-s-m-a-t-i-c plants p-l-a-n-t-s dot com do you put literature inside of your packaging so people can read about what the product's about uh no our, our literature i mean on our box we have a lot of information on our box about the product but then um you people can go to our website um to find out more okay and you know i've, I've got one last one for you but i mean if you wanted to, if there was one thing you could do to change this industry in the next year, what would you like to see changed about not only the CBD industry, but about the cannabis industry period? Yeah, I think the one thing to change it, um, you know, it it is a big goal and I think it's top of mind for everyone, but it really would be that federal legalization because I think that would have a tailwind of um, everything else falling into place. I think it also then goes to effect of, um, not only decriminalizing the plant and making sure that people aren't going to jail for it, but also just in terms of business and how business is conducted. The fact that people can readily buy alcohol um, anywhere, but they can't buy cannabis, which is something that um, really helps people heal much more than alcohol. You know, it's just one of those things where you look at it and um, it's kind of it's not kind of, it's extremely aggravating that the government has had such a stranglehold over certain things. And it's really a result of uh, lobbyists and, and capitalism. 
Well, man, the company is called Pris Pris Prismatic Brands. And you know what you can do? Go to prismaticbrands.com. You can find out more information about it. Is that right? Prismatic Plants. Like, uh, uh, prismatic Plants. Sorry, I yeah. said bring it. Sorry. Prismaticplants.com. That's right. And uh, your listeners, if they type in Montel, um, they can get 20% off anything. So, my goodness, thank you so much. I tell you, they're going to love that opportunity. But, Sarah, anytime you want to come back, we you have a home here, you know, we can kick and chop it up over any issue you want to talk about. So, I'd love to have you back on uh, at a future date. And um, I wish you the best of luck. And let's, uh, let's get together on education. That sounds good. Happy to collab and get out there and be local with you. So, Let's keep the conversation going. We'll keep it going. And I'm going to make sure, please, you keep the conversation going by making sure you tune in to the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.